Have you ever wondered what are the differences between manual winding and automatic watches? Have you ever wondered how they work? And what about which one should you pick? Well, let me help you. This is episode two of the Technically Speaking series and today it's all about manual winding and automatic watches. Hi everyone, welcome to the Watchaholics podcast. I'm your host, Diogo, your online watchmaker. Each episode will talk about myths, in-depth technical reviews, answer all your questions and bring out the Watchaholic in you. So wind up your movements, tighten your crowns and let's dive in. Enjoy. Today I'm going to answer one of the eternal questions about watchmaking. Manual winding versus automatic watches. Which ones are the best? I'll explain the differences between both movements, how they work, their ups and downs, as well as go over some curiosities and easy ways to avoid certain problems. But before going any further, I'd like to give you guys some nomenclature and some watchmaking principles. First of all, not just in this episode, but in many more episodes to come, I will be using the term systems very often. What is a system? Well, a system is the name given to all the parts that allow the watch to perform a certain function. For example, for you to set the time on your watch, several parts are going to be used to execute that task. And in this case, this group of pieces is called setting system and this is applied to every function any watch may have. Now let's quickly go over some watchmaking principles. The source of energy of any mechanical watch movement comes from the mainspring, which is a very thin but long metallic spring measuring around 40 to 60 centimeters usually that is located inside a tooth box called the drum. Now, this drum is composed by its cover, the mainspring and a cam. This cam is the piece that allows you to wind the movement as it is the connection between the whole drum and the winding system. So when we are winding the movement, we are actually winding the mainspring inside the drum that creates a lot of tension to go back to its original position. And as it tries to unwind itself, makes the whole drum rotate transmitting mechanical energy to the rest of the systems and making the watch work. The mainspring is a central piece to the watch's performance. Um, being the source of energy, the stability of the amplitude as well as the power reserve all depend on it. If the, so if the energy that reaches the oscillator is not constant, it won't be stable, therefore the watch won't have good precision. So without further ado, Let's get technical. Both manual winding and automatic watches are mechanical, obviously, and although it sounds like they are two completely different types of movements, they're actually more alike than you'd think. They have the same functioning principles, but they differ when it comes to winding a watch, more specifically, the winding system. What are those differences then? 
In your manual winding movement, just like the name suggests, for the watch to work you must wind it yourself, manually. The winding system is usually fairly simple and does not have many pieces. When the mainspring is fully winded, there is a flap that positions it inside the drum and also serves as a brake. Because of that, you'll feel some resistance, you'll feel like it's come to an end. When you reach that end, it's imperative that you don't force it, because the mainspring can break, and in some cases it's quite easy. In these situations, the size and shape of the crowns play a major role. When it comes to extra thin watches, since their movements are more delicate, it's harder to feel when the watch is fully winded. That, plus the fact that the crowns are usually smaller and more difficult to handle, makes all this even worse. When it comes to bigger watches, we also need to be a bit careful because as the crowns are larger and easier to operate with, we tend to apply a bit more strength than it's needed, especially when we are in a hurry or when we change from a smaller watch. In order to avoid this issue, some brands use automatic mainsprings, which I'll explain what it is in a bit. Also, in higher-end uh, watchmaking brands, some may use a system connected to the drum that does not allow you to break the mainspring. Another thing that can help you is the indication of power reserve. It's a very useful complication that tells you how much energy the watch has. It's, it's like the fuel gauge in your car. Even though it won't actually prevent you from breaking the mainspring uh, when you reach the limit like the ones I just mentioned, but at least it will let you know how close you are to the end. So, how can you avoid breaking the mainspring if you don't have any of these assists? There is a little trick. First, let your watch run out of energy and wind it as you normally do, but this time, count how many times you had to turn the crown until it reached the end. Let's say you counted 25 times. Try and get the habit of winding just 22 times, for example. And why? Because since you are aware that you are 3 crown rotations away from the end, you know that the watch will have enough energy to last the whole day until you have to wind it again. Now this is for a scenario where you let your watch run out of energy every time, or for a watch you don't use daily. However, for daily used watches you can do the same. Try and establish a specific hour to wind the watch. Once again, try and wind it until you reach the end and count how many times you rotated the crown. Then simply remove 3 or 4 rotations and you'll be fine. Another important aspect we should discuss is when should you wind your watch. Manual watches uh, should be winded every morning. That's because that way you know you're going to start the day with full energy, that is, at your watch's peak performance. If you were to wind your watch at night, before going to bed for example, you'd be losing uh, energy unnecessarily. Now moving on to the automatic watches. You can also wind them manually, but you'll notice that the mainspring seems to have no end. Why is that? Well, automatic systems vary a lot from brand to brand, manufacturer to manufacturer, um, but most of them have very similar functioning principles. 
To put it in simple terms, there is a weight that looks like a half pizza uh, with a toothed bearing in the middle called oscillating mass. This piece is connected to a set of wheels that are directly geared with the winding system. So, with the help of gravity, the movements from our wrists make this weight rotate and activate the whole automatic and winding system charging your watch. Then, the whole drum is different, starting with its walls. They are not the same, uh, because in this mainspring, unlike the manual winding one, the flap that I mentioned before does not serve as a brake. There is a longer sliding flap that, once the mainspring is fully winded, allows it to slide inside the drum, keeping it constantly armed and always at full energy. Just as a curiosity, some high-end brands use uh, oscillating masses made of solid gold or a part of it made of platinum. They do this because these types of metal are denser and heavier, which makes the automatic system more effective. Also, there are unidirectional and bidirectional systems. So, as the oscillating mass um, uh, rotates to the left or to, or to the right, the unidirectional only charge for one side and the bidirectional charge in both ways. Now, an important thing to mention is that even though you can't break this type of mainspring by winding it, it can break in a different way. In more recent watches, especially from mid-range and upwards, when your watch is serviced, the whole drum is changed for a new one. For the reasons I explained earlier about the importance of the mainspring, these drums are pre-lubricated and never to be opened. They are oiled with the mix of lubricants and graphite to have the best performance and to work for longer periods of time. However, when it comes to older watches or watches with less quality overall, this doesn't happen that often. When servicing, you have to open the drum, remove the mainspring, clean everything and then lubricate everything back again. Since these drums don't have the same complex and expensive oils, just like I mentioned in the last episode, I can't stress enough how important servicing these watches is. In these cases, the oils lose their natural properties and as the mainspring is always full of energy and constantly sliding inside the drum's walls, it may break, even though it's not that easy to happen. What happens a lot, however, is that the process of putting the, main, the mainspring back inside the drum is very difficult if you don't have the appropriate tools as well as some experience. As a result, the energy transmitted is not stable, the power reserve is reduced, the amplitude of the oscillator gets affected and, worst of all, the mainspring gets dented along, uh, along its length and can break. Now, why am I making such a fuss regarding this mainspring issue? Well, like I explained in the last episode, vintage watches are becoming more and more popular and being bought as an investment. But for them to be well kept, since they haven't been in some cases for decades, uh, people should be aware of these situations. And even though there are many automatic ones, for example Rolexes, that prices have been going through the roof, vintage watches are mostly manual winding, so people should be even more careful. 
That because unlike today's market that manufacturers might build a few movements and use them in the various models they offer, in vintage watches things weren't quite the same. So parts like old mainsprings are very hard to come by which results in the impossible repairs or very very expensive ones. Nowadays most watches are automatic because for everyday use it's more practical which makes a lot of sense. However, regarding the high-end watchmaking, especially complicated watches, you'll notice that a big part of them are manual winding because brands like to show their technical know-how when finishing all the bridges and pieces by hand and these come with a really high price tag. Another major problem regarding the lack of maintenance and automatic watches is the automatic system. All the wheels in this system rotate with every movement your wrist makes, no matter how insignificant. Without any servicings done, with time, these oils dry and eventually become dust. Obviously, they stop lubricating and start creating a lot of friction where the pivots of the wheels should work smoothly. In worst scenarios, and unfortunately very common in, very, in vintage watches, they become kind of a thick mass that damages irreversibly the wheel's pivots. And all this to say that servicing is very important. And if you want to know more about it, please check the last episode uh, where we address this topic in detail. Now, when should we wind our watches? Or better yet, how should we wind our watches? If it's a watch we wear every day, wind it all the way once, set the watch and that's it. If it's a watch we don't use that often or we change regularly between many other ones or we just don't use any watch during the weekend for example, mind that an automatic watch is basically a manual winding one but with an automatic system added to it. What I mean with that is, if the watch runs out of energy and stops, setting the time placing it on our wrist and then going on with our life is not enough. Yes, the watch charges energy with the movements from our wrists, but in these cases is not enough. We should always wind it about 15 times before using it. And I'll explain why in a bit. Now that we know the differences, uh, similarities, how they work, things you should be careful with about both movements, let's talk about power reserve. What is the power reserve? Well, it's simply the amount of time that your watch is going to work for from fully winded until it runs out of energy and stops. Generally, when new or well-maintained, watches have a power reserve of 42 hours, but it's becoming more and more common for them to have 72 hours. The question is, why don't brands make more watches with 10, 15, 20 days of power reserve so we don't have to worry about their energy and winding them? Well, as we've been discussing in today's episode, the mainspring is one of the movement's most important elements because the power reserve and the stability of the oscillator depend on it. It also defines not only how well the watch works, but as well as how long will it work for. That's the reason why brands, more on the high end, 
strive to develop systems that allow the most constant and linear transmission of energy to the oscillator possible so that it remains stable and with sufficient amplitude when the mainspring is fully winded and when it's closer to the end. We will cover in detail the subject of the oscillator in a future episode, but it's a matter that I had to talk a bit about today. So, bigger power reserves are not something simple to conceive, and that's why, for example, even big brands with very good and reliable movements like Rolex in their models like Submariner only recently got 72 hours of power reserve with their 32-35 calibers. Due to its utility, uh, it's become a complication that brands have been exploring for years. For example, with just one drum, IWC has a movement with 8 days of power reserve. Schopach, for the same 8 days of power reserve, has a movement with 4 drums. Vacherot Constantin makes a watch with 14 days of power reserve. And if we want to go any further, Alange Untune, I'm sure I'm not pronouncing it right, so please don't go at me, has a seemingly simple looking watch with 31 days of power reserved with just one drum. And because of this complication, it costs around 150,000 euros. And we haven't even mentioned all the complicated watches, for example, perpetual calendars. These watches must have the energy to make the day of the month, weekday, month, year, moon phase, jump all the time throughout its power reserved while maintaining a stable performance. In conclusion, what I wanted to explain to you guys with these examples is that the goal is always to have an energy source that transmits to the oscillator an amplitude as constant as possible throughout the power reserve, whether if it's 3, 5, 10 days, through one, two or four drums or and with added complications. That said, and going back to what we were talking about about the automatic watches a bit ago, when they have no power and stop, you should wind them uh, around 15 times uh, with the crown so that the oscillator has enough amplitude to have a reasonable performance. Then, the watch will charge the rest of the energy with our wrist's movements throughout the day. When we wear our watches without giving them energy and let them charge with just the movement of our wrists, they will not work well, or even stop during the day for the reasons I mentioned earlier. Moving on. It's natural that we all have a different stance towards watches. The watch lover, or the so-called purist, in the morning looks at his or her box full of beautiful pieces and thinks, hmm, which one will I use today? And after selecting, he or she has all the time in the world and likes winding them, uh, whether if it's a manual or automatic carefully sets them and puts them on his or her wrist. It's, a, it's an act of pleasure. There is another type of customer that has less patience, less passion, so the watch is just another object that tells us the time, just like, a, just like our phone. The manual winding one will not be the most suitable, 
Perhaps the best option will be an automatic wash due to its versatility. There's also other people who, due to their advanced age or with more sedentary professions, uh, have less movements throughout the day. Hence, the automatic uh, systems won't charge completely, not being effective. Eventually, the most suitable watch will be a manual winding one, but uh, like I said, we should always take the, the precautions we've discussed earlier in this episode. So now that we have a more technical and reasoned notion of today's topic, I'm going to answer the question that I asked in the beginning of this episode. Manual winding versus automatic watches. Which ones are the best? Well, it's a matter of preference and lifestyle. And that's it for today, guys. I hope you found this episode interesting. It's a topic that might sound simple, but there's more content than meets the eye. I also hope it helped or will help you choose the right watch for you, or at least the one that suits you best. Don't forget to follow the Watchaholics podcast on Spotify if you haven't already for more episodes to come. I'm Diogo Zideriu, your online watchmaker.